What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter at MitchDavis underscore eight. Like and follow the Instagram pages by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show and click that like button. And you can also find the podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast by either typing in the Mitch Davis Show on Apple on every basically everywhere you like to listen to your podcast on SoundCloud. Google Play. I mean, we are everywhere everywhere you like to listen to your podcast. Be sure you type in The Mitch Davis Show. And on YouTube at the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast, simply type in Full Court Press. And all the podcasts can be found as well on the MitchDavisShow.com. And you know, I tell you what, we've got a lot of great articles coming up. SEC Big 12 Challenge. That, that was such an exciting basketball event we're gonna have the full breakdown on on sunday you can also listen to me every friday saturday and sunday friday from three to five saturday from eight to ten and sunday from three to five in that time slot on sidelines.live.com and also at sports 56 on saturday mornings you can listen to that if you're in the Memphis area by tuning in to Sports 56 on FM, AM, everywhere you like to listen. You can simply tune in in the Memphis area, Sports 56, and online at sports56.com. That's Saturday mornings from 8 to 10 on Sidelines with Rob Brown each and every week. I tell you what, we have an amazing, amazing guest list that we love to have a round table and talk college basketball, college baseball, college football, and everything in between there on sidelines.live. Today on the podcast, we're going to have a very special guest, sporting news writer, basketball media legend, Mike DeCourcy. Tell you what, this is an excellent, excellent interview that I cannot wait for each and every one of you to enjoy. It's a, it's really an honor and really a big privilege to talk with Mike DeCourcy, a guy that I grew up listening to and, and reading about from a very young age. This guy knows his college basketball. He's been in the business for a very long time. We talked everything from the SEC Big 12 Challenge, what was wrong with the Blue Bloods in North Carolina, Duke and Kentucky, talked Gonzaga, Baylor, his All-American list, and everything in between on the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in each week to the podcast. Always a lot of fun to bring you coaches interviews, national media interviews, and everything else. And before we get into the interview with Mike DeCourcy, head on over to the website at themitchdavisshow.com. At this time, I would like to welcome Mike DeCourcy to the Full Court Press Basketball. You can follow Mike at on Twitter at TSNMike.com. Tell you what, if you love college basketball, follow Mike DeCourcy because this guy is a one-stop shop for college basketball knowledge, information, and just everything you could ever dream of college basketball. Mike DeCourcy has you covered at SportingNews.com. Almost Big Ten Network Studio Analyst, NCAA Brackets for Fox Sports. Welcome to the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate your having me. It's a it's an honor to have you. Let's just go ahead and jump right into this. Gonzaga, Baylor, can anybody stop these two? Because it looks like the offense of Gonzaga, the defense of Baylor, 
are these two on a collision course for a national championship game? It does feel that way, but I don't think that as strong as I feel they are, I would not. It's the nature of the tournament that one looks at it and says that as strong as they are, the tournament can rewrite history, so to speak. And I think if you go back to maybe 1968, uh, when Houston and UCLA were so dominant that year, and they all they had to do was be Houston and UCLA, and they were going to be they were going to get into the tournament, obviously, and then they were going to get fairly deep because when in that year, if you got in, you started deep. I mean, now you've got to win basically two two rugged games just to get basically where UCLA would start every tournament back in the 60s and early 70s. And so that makes a significant difference relative to the ability of two teams like this to dominate once they get to Mars. And you mentioned the strength of each. And, and each of them is also a better team on the opposite end of its strength. Gonzaga is a much better defensive team than it had been in the past. Uh, it has been recently a, a successful defensive team, but during its, during its first 12 to 15 as a power, it was always offense first and defense was, well, we'll do the best we can. And now they've become great defensively over the last five years or so. That's why they've been consistently in the one, two seat conversation. Auburn's team, excuse me, uh, Baylor's team, as great as they are defensively, they are really terrific on offense as well. They've got two guys. There are teams that would love to have one uh, five-assist guy because that means the ball's moving. It's getting to where it should go. So they're both great at both ends. And the difficulty for them will be that the teams that are in the eight, nine, five, four range in their, in their brackets will not go easily, uh, even as great as those teams are. Uh, and then things stay as they, as they are, they certainly will be bracketed opposite one of a, one another. Okay. So you get to the final four and let's say you're Baylor and Michigan is, is, is the opposite team against you. Michigan's terrific. They, they, they have standing wing play, outstanding guard play, uh, a big guy in Hunter Dickinson, who has been a revelation as a freshman and a guy and, and Austin Davis backing him up, who brings physical power, tenacity, uh, experience. So they, they, they have a lot going for them. So all that is a long way of saying that as, as incredible as those two teams are, the landscape is so much different than it was 50 years ago when you had a Houston and a UCLA or say 74 when you had UCLA and NC state, it's just a different deal now because of the tournament being expanded to 64 and then For those two teams, who is the most likely to win a national championship in your opinion? I think Gonzaga because of the depth of talent. Uh, when, when I put together my mid-season All-America team, it was a question of, okay, 
we've got three Zags that have to be on there. What order do I put them in? Which teams do they make? And then you, and you, and then you also feel guilty about leaving off Joel Ayayi, who honestly, as I look at teams around the country that are struggling and teams like Kentucky, uh, uh, even it, or Duke, if I get, if I can give them Joel Ayayi, their, their problems would be solved overnight. Um, they, completely different teams than they've been to this point in the season. And he's not, I mean, I don't know whether I'd call him, feel comfortable calling him their fourth this season. That's how remarkable he's been. So that's to me, the different difference, uh, individual ability that those guys have to make plays when two teams are virtually inseparable. Next question I have for you, your midseason All-American list, Luca Garza last year is the player of the year. You got Jared Butler on there, Corey Gisbert from uh, Gonzaga, and you got the uh, guy from Illinois, and then Kate Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Talk about those five guys and who you see could win the Player of the Year awards this year. Oh, I think Luca Garza will have to do something awful in the in the last month and a half of the season to not win it. Uh, Luca was our National Player of the Year a year ago at Sporting News, and we differentiated from most of the selectors who chose Obi Toppin. But Garza a year ago was going up against maybe as good a group of college big men as any conference has ever had in terms of depth. I mean, they didn't have Bill Wennington and Patrick Ewing, but keeping continuing to go on uh, every team, practically every good team in the big 10. And that was most of them had a really terrific big guy, Jalen Smith at Maryland, uh, uh, Xavier Tillman, at Michigan State, there were just one, uh, Daniel Oturu at Minnesota, Kofi Coburn, who's still at Illinois. Every team had a terrific big guy, and Garza was still dominating. But when the season we gave him the player of the year award, he was averaging 23 points a game. He's now averaging over 20. He's gotten. He's continued to to improve as a as a player. He's continued to escalate uh, his work ethic and 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 performance. And so he'll be our players. Knows we've had enough awful in the last year that we don't need anymore. Uh, so that's that's pretty much locked down. But the, the I, I I think sometimes first team All American is underrated as an honor. Think about it. I mean, you're one of the five best players. That's pretty amazing. And so guys like Io DeSumo from Illinois and Jared Butler from Baylor, uh, they're having fantastic seasons, just tremendous seasons, likely to be players of the year. about what they're accomplishing. Corey Kisford at Gonzaga, shooting numbers are ridiculous. A small forward, if you want to call him that, a wing player, he's shooting nearly 50% from three-point range and over 60%, close to 66% on two-point attempts. For a wing player, 
That, I mean, that's just almost unheard of, those kinds of shooting numbers. That's how really terrific he's been as a shooter. And then Kate Cunningham uh, enters college basketball with a lot of pressure because he was the number one recruit. He's going to a program that's pretty good, but not elite. And he needs to be great for them. And they're having a terrific year because he's having a terrific year. So I, I think all five players deserve a ton of credit. Now, it, as, as I've written in the past, when you get to the midseason All-American, it means you've only done half the job. So you got to still finish out February and early March with strong performances. Next question I have for you. Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, terrible seasons. I mean, for their standards, it's been it's been rough. I mean, when you look at the standards of Duke and Carolina, Kentucky, you expect to one, two, three, four, whatever it is, final fours. But this year has been rough. What's the fix for these three programs? And is there an NCAA bid for any three of those? Which is weird to say, thinking about the NCAA tournament without at least one of the three between Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky. North Carolina has consistently been in my bracket, usually in a double-digit seed spot. But they've been consistently in my Fox Sports bracket uh, since uh, since I started doing them in late December. I think they're starting to advance from there. They, they've played much better basketball of late. Their guard play, their young guards are starting to catch on a little bit. Their big, big men have always been good. Uh, Armando, Baycott, Brooks, those guys are very, very good players. And, and they just haven't had always the access to the ball. The play wasn't ideal at the start, but uh, they, 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 I think that, t- that team will fairly comfortably get into the tournament and may yet challenge the better teams in the ACC, the more successful teams in the ACC this year, like Louisville, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Virginia. They may see Carolina in their company before too long. Uh, Duke, it, I, their absence, uh, they, they took, they, they uh, I guess, canceled, you want to call it that, uh, one of their non-conference games, they'd had some others that were postponed on them or canceled uh, as a result of others uh, not being able to field a team. And so that, that set them back. And I think they're starting to, to play a little better. They're not great defensively. Uh, they don't have great physical power. I really like the players that they have that they're using at the forward spots, Jalen Johnson and, and Hurt. Uh but they, I, I don't think that those guys have have great. Yeah, they're not they're not dominant big men inside, so their rim protection lacks a little. Uh, the ability to, to to dominate the baseline lacks a little, and it's not made up for by great wing play. They they play two small guards a lot of the time, so they're not. You think of the prototypical. Uh, Tony Lang, Grant Hill, Duke, where they can get out on the wing and deny and make it difficult for you to run your offense. They can't really do that. So they need to be better offensively. They need to make more shots, and that hasn't been coming. I'm not writing them off yet. I thought they played better this week, and they they have a huge game against Clemson coming. They have a very important – one wouldn't call it a huge game, but a very important game at Miami coming. 
And if they have success in those games, I think they could at least get themselves back to being in competition for a bid. Uh, and then the, the Kentucky case, I think a lot of mistakes were made. Uh, the composition of the roster, uh, not ideal. They don't have enough perimeter scoring, enough perimeter shooting. And then the biggest mistake I think that was made was that they handed this team a schedule that only an elite team would be capable of, of dealing with. And they don't have an elite team. They have a team that's better than a lot of people that will make the NCAA tournament. But the schedule that they played was, was much too difficult. Richmond in the second game. I wouldn't let my if I wouldn't let my team if if it were freshman dominated or near Richmond for the entire year unless the NCAA a bunch of freshmen up against a team that's got five veterans running the Princeton offense. I don't want to deal with that if I don't have to. Uh, Notre Dame uh, they they scheduled that game um, a really good offensive team that had veteran players they were healthier than uh, they struggled Georgia Tech same thing uh, they. They, they, they are committed to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They're committed to the Big 12, excuse me, they're not the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They're committed to the SEC Big 12 Challenge. They're committed to the Champions Classic and the CBS Sports Classic and the Louisville game. That's four really difficult games. If I were in charge, I'd have said, that's enough. We're playing, you know, mid-majors, low-majors, the whole rest of the schedule so we can get our act together. And if they had, I think that Kentucky would be viewed much differently than they are. They still wouldn't be the Kentucky that made seven out of 10 elite, elite eights, uh, but they would not be the calamity that they are now. Now, you mentioned the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That's going to be the biggest storyline to watch this, uh, this weekend with the SEC being so good uh, here in the recent last two to three years. SEC has been very dominant. Now the Big 12 with Baylor, Kansas, Oklahoma. Talk about some of those two or three matchups that you're looking forward to watching. And what do you expect out of the SEC Big 12 Challenge tomorrow? Well, I think the first one that I'm really looking forward to is uh, LSU against Texas Tech. Uh, because one of the things that, um, that I've been talking a lot about is that Texas Tech has kind of gotten a pass for for their season they you, you talk about the schedule that uh, that I was talking about before uh, if, if Texas excuse me if, if Kentucky had Texas Tech schedule that'd be kind of what I was dealing with before about how much different their season would be Texas Tech came in understanding that although most of their players had experience they had very little together so they played Christian, low major team, but a very good one. They're probably not beating you unless you beat yourself. Uh, that I, I believe teams. I thought it was a really smart schedule, but also not. They're they're also not. Uh, it, it's not being acknowledged that they didn't play a very difficult schedule and uh, and that they haven't beaten a lot of the high major teams they've played. They're four and five against major opponents now. Uh, they're. I believe the last I looked, they were two and five against quad one and quad two. And, and so this is an opportunity for them. L LSU 
Uh, this is a quad one game. LSU is ranked uh, 34, actually, uh, they are. And so this is an opportunity for them, to, for Texas Tech to say, yes, we really are that good. And LSU is, is vulnerable, uh, despite that uh, comfortable ranking. Uh, they're, they've not played great. So that'll be an interesting game. Uh, Oklahoma, Alabama, uh, two really terrific, well-coached teams. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, I, I would say that without a doubt, uh, uh, you have been listening to the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. I've been your host and founder, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Like the Facebook and Instagram pages by simply typing in the Mitch Davis Show. Be sure you head on over to the website, themitchdavisshow.com, for an exclusive look inside college football, college basketball, baseball, and softball. And also going to start covering PGA golf and man, minor league and major league baseball. We're going to have it all at themitchdavisshow.com. You can follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore eight. A very special thank you to our awesome, awesome college basketball guest today, Mike DeCourcy. You can follow him on Twitter at TSN Mike or at thesportingnews.com. I tell you what, there is not a better college basketball writer in the country than Mike DeCourcy. It was a great honor to interview a guy that I've looked up to for a very long time and a guy that Everybody knows he's so humble and so awesome and so kind to talk to and to really get to know and really talk about the great game of college basketball. You have been listening to the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast. I've been your host and founder, Mitch Davis. Be sure you follow me on Twitter at Mitch Davis underscore eight. And for the podcast this week, we're going to have a lot of great guests. The first one is going to be Coach Rock, Coach Shimrock of the Memphis Tigers baseball program. Tell you what, this guy has got it going on. Memphis baseball has three preseason All-American picks, including Hunter Goodman from Arlington, Tennessee. So Memphis baseball is on deck. I can't wait to interview Coach Rock. He's a good friend of mine and a good friend of the Mitch Davis Show and the Full Court Press podcast as well. Follow me on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. Facebook and Instagram at the Mitch Davis Show. And also the website at themitchdavisshow.com. Tune in to the wrap-up show on sidelines.live on Sunday afternoons from 3 to 5 with Rob Brown and I. And a lot of great guests, including Jake Crane of the J-Boy Podcast. I'll tell you what, there is not a better SEC podcast in the country than the J-Boy Show. Be sure you check that out. It's number one in the country. He's been doing it for eight months, and he's worked his butt off and gotten that podcast all the way up to number one in the country. It's very awesome, so be sure you check out the J-Boy podcast. Thank you for listening to the Full Court Press Basketball Podcast, and until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy your family, and enjoy and celebrate the great game of college basketball.